little bit about Christmas with you uh, this morning. I'll try not to share it quite so loudly, although I'm in absolutely no control. Here we go. Um, Let me pray as we come together. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time together. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Christmas. And we pray, Lord, uh, that as we come to think about these things together now, uh, you would bless us and you would speak to us in his name. Amen. Uh, It is a great pleasure, a great privilege to be um, giving a Christmas message, but I've got to tell you as a preacher, it's a pretty tough gig because everyone knows how the story finishes, right? You guys all know about Christmas, don't you? I'm looking at all the kids here and they're all going, yeah, look, we know can we get back to the presents? Am I wrong? No, I didn't think so. And the grown-ups are here going, yeah, look, been through a couple of Christmases by now. I've heard the story too. I know how it all finishes. It's a good thing for the kids. Can we just quickly move on, right? This whole Christmas thing, once a year, that's enough. It really makes no difference to the rest of my week, to the rest of my life. It's just... Is that right? You know the Christmas story, don't you? Well, let's see. Let's see how well you know the Christmas story. I'm going to give you a test. You didn't realise there'd be a test this morning. But, um, and if you're a kid, if you sit with mum and dad, give them a bit of help with this test. And at the end, uh, there are going to be... Um, sorry about my noise. At the end, there are going to be uh, some packs to go around to the kids where you can kind of work it out a little bit more. But there's, how many questions have I got? I've got eight questions. What's a pass? 50%? Let's see if you can get four right at least. Let's see. How well do you know the Christmas story? First question. Here it comes. Joseph and Mary were told to go to Bethlehem by... Was it an angel? Was it the high priest, the Roman emperor, by their By no one. Let's see, an angel. What was your answer? See, Emperor, I'm not going to ask you all to commit, but you know what you think. And the correct answer is? It's the Roman Emperor. So, I'm sure we, we, can, we can move on, right? You move on. If you've got one wrong. Mary and Bethlehem with Mary on a donkey, Mary and Joseph on a donkey, with a caravan party by state rail, or no? Mary on a donkey, right? In fact, the answer is no. Not a donkey. One, two, no. It's just a made-up story. <laughs> now, she was eight months pregnant. She probably didn't walk, but, okay, we're just guessing. But you know the Christmas story, don't you? Well, let's see. Question number three. What did the innkeeper say to Joseph and Mary? An easy one at last. The innkeeper said... Uh, the innkeeper said, come back up. The innkeeper said, 
Uh, you could have the stable. Uh, the innkeeper said, uh, we're, we're, um, we're, which is a little bit critical. <laughs> so, there is no room in the inn. So C is there is no room in the inn. Uh, D is you can have... E is both C and D and F is no one knows. So with that extra information supplied, the answer is E. e. Well, the E one knows, not is. Uh, no stay in the stable. There's actually a bit of a problem with that uh, because there's no mention of a stable. There's no mention of a stable. Jesus is placed in a manger but in the Middle East at that time they didn't have a stable out the back. They had a room in the middle of the house where in the winter they'd bring the animals in as a bit of central heating. And that's possibly the room where the manger was. Anyway, no mention of a stable in the Bible. So I am sorry about that. We are now uh, three questions down. Uh, has anybody got right so far? Just Anna. Okay. All right. But you, could you still get a pass mark from here? Even if you've got all of those wrong, there's four questions left, so you can still get over the line. Five, in fact. Here we go. Which animal Jesus birthed? Were they? Oh, we're looking on the board. Were they sheep and cows? Were they cows and asses? Were they donkeys and camels? Were they and oxen? Sheep and cows? Can you see it here? There's a manger, but no mention of any animals. All of the mention of animals is just stuff that's happened over the years. It's not actually in the history. But you know the Christmas story, so it's okay, right? Well, at last, <laughs> you had to come to an easy one sooner or later. How many wise men were there? Were there seven? Were there three? True. Wise men were there. Do you know? There were three presents. Gold, myrrh. That's where the idea of three wise men come. But. What's to say one wise man couldn't have had three presents? Or 16 wise men might have pitched in and shared. That's what we do at Christmas time, right? <laughs> anyway, um, the wise men found Jesus. Here we go. And this time there is no, no one knows option. Do you see? The wise men is in the state, in a house. In the bull rush, record time. The wise men found Jesus 
stable. Record time. <laughs> well, existing record for wise men fight, so probably yes. It was a brand new record. Um, and in fact, the correct answer is a house. The house, not in a stable. And you find that answer in Matthew chapter 2 11. And here's the trick with it. The wise men got to Jesus possibly 18 months or two years after he was born, not on the same night. So, maybe in a manger at all. And Matthew chapter 2 says he's in a house when they find him in Bethlehem. There you go. So, now we've got a bit. Well, the wise men and the shepherds were there 18 months apart, not on the same night. And, well, that's going to muck up our, our whole kind of nativity scene, isn't it? A bit later. <laughs> I've only got two more questions for you now. Two more You all know everything there is to know about Christmas, right? Here sing to the shepherds. Did they Did they sing jingle? Did they sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas? Did they sing, glory? Did they sing the house? Did they sing, my sweet Lord? I'm not going to sing any of these for you, which you'll be grateful for if you've ever heard me sing. And the That's actually, it was in the bit of the Bible we just heard read out. So at least an answer there. Okay, here's a last one, bit of an easy one. You've got half of the answer or well, you were here 10 minutes or five minutes ago. Where the Christmas details in the Bible? Is it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? Is it in ANC? Or is it in all of the above? We've got some all, some ANCs. The truth is, it's ANC. It's only in two of the four parts of Jesus' life do we have any record of the Christmas things in Matthew and Luke. Uh, now, I'm not going to score... But can I just make one little observation at this point? Five minutes ago, everybody was telling me they all knew everything there was to know about Christmas. And now very few people are thinking that. We so easily miss the details of Christmas. Now, I don't, I don't want you to be fooled. I don't think those details I just tested you about are the most important things that there are to say about Christmas. But here's the rub. If you don't know the details, you cannot work out what's important. And one of the risks is, and I'm just talking to the grown-ups for a minute here, one of the risks is, as a grown-up, that you never grow up in your appreciation about who Jesus is. And if Jesus in your head is still a baby in a manger, you've absolutely missed the point. 
And that's why he makes no difference to your life day to day, week to week, throughout the rest of the year. But if you meet who he actually is, it changes everything. All right. As we go on, if you're with your mum or dad or grandparents or whoever brought you, uh, you will get a pack like this and in that pack there are puzzles, there's colouring in, there's all kinds of activities. Uh, so if you go and sit with your, with your parents or grandparents or friends um, and if you're sitting with someone, just wait these colouring in packs and if I see too many grown-ups waving their hands about, there'll be some issues. Okay, now as the kids are getting these, um, in the middle, in picture, great nativity scene with all of the details in there. But know that there's a whole bunch of mistakes in the picture. So after I've finished, Andy's going to see who found the most mistakes in the nativity picture. Okay, kids? So see how many mistakes... Colour it in, it's all beautiful, it's great. But see how many mistakes you can find in that picture. I want to have a look with you at a grown-up look at Christmas. So if you're not... um, My assumption is (laughs) you're ready for a grown-up look at Christmas. Uh, You're ready for that as well. But here we go, let's look at... Um, Because the point is actually, I bet my life that there is nothing more important you can do with the next 10 minutes of your life than think about who this Jesus is. And we get the real information from the mouth of an angel, direct from God, explaining who this baby is. So what I want to do with you is just work through that passage that we heard read out before, not even the whole of the passage, just these few lines and just um, show you what this baby is today. This baby is a saviour, do you see? For unto us um, is born this day in the city of David a saviour. Now, lots of us will go to the beach over the, next, um, over the next few days or weeks, I suppose. When you go to the beach, if you're having a nice swim out there and somebody wraps their arm around your head and starts dragging you back towards the sand, you're going to get upset, aren't you? You're having a nice swim and somebody grabs a hold of you and starts... Except if you know you're drowning. Because if you know you're drowning, the person with their arm around you, dragging you back, is actually saving your life. And that changes how you feel about having somebody with their arm wrapped around you, dragging you to the beach. When you recognise that you need a saver, a lifesaver, having a saviour is good news. But if you think you've got life all under control, if you think you've got no worries then you will hate what Jesus is going to do. Do you get that? If you don't think you need saving, you will end up hating Jesus 
because he has come to save us. Not to save us from the waves, not to save us from drowning, but the Bible says to save us from sin and death and fear. And if you don't think you need saving from that, there is no joy at Christmas. Sin is the idea of um, thinking and behaving as if I am the most important person in the world. That's, uh, fundamentally, that's what sin is. Sin is ignoring God and saying, my ideas, my desires, what I want, is the most important thing that there is. And Jesus died to save you from the consequences of that attitude, of that disease that insists you're the most important person in the world. If you don't recognise that that's you, or if you don't recognise that actually the consequences of having that attitude is death, Jesus is not good news for you. But the Bible does say that anybody with that attitude actually will be cut off from God and therefore die, be dead forever, be cut off with God forever. And we all need saving from that. And that's what Jesus is born to do, to give us the chance to live with God forever in heaven, to have our problem fixed, to be saved. That's the first thing. The second thing is that is the Christ. Do you see as the line goes on? He is the Christ. Um, now, Christ is a Greek word. Uh, there's a Hebrew word, Messiah, you might have heard of before, but it's exactly the same thing. In English, we might say the anointed king. God's chosen anointed king. That's just what Christ or Messiah means. And Jesus, this saviour baby, is that. So all of that fluffy detail about Mary and Joseph going from Galilee um, all the way down so that he was born in Bethlehem is, is not accidental. Bethlehem is the town that the greatest king of Israel, David, was born in. And it was important that if Jesus is God's anointed king, God's chosen king, that he be born in the city of David. And that's why he's born in Bethlehem. Whoops! That was pretty clever. Um, so Jesus is born in Bethlehem and we know then that he is God's king, God's Messiah, God's Christ. And if that wasn't enough, he is Christ, do you see what it says next? He is Christ, the Lord. Now, um, you might know that the word Lord just means boss, master, to lord it over somebody, is to kind of be in charge of them, that kind of thing. Um, but the Greek word for Lord, we just saw the word Christ was used as a Greek word. The Greek word for Lord was used in the Bible because people didn't want to use the name of God, Yahweh, in case they accidentally took it in vain. Uh, so when they were translating the Bible into Greek, they used the word Lord um, to translate that, kurios, Lord. So is this saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the, the King, who is the boss? Or is it 
the king who is Yahweh, the king who is God. That's actually what it's saying. The angel is saying that today in the town of David, a saviour who is God's king, actually God himself, is born this day. That's what it's saying. God was born as a baby. And if it is God, then God demands, requires, deserves obedience. You can't choose whether or not to obey the boss. You can't choose whether or not to be faithful. Um, Do you know the technical name for a man who is 98% faithful to his wife? What's the technical name for a man who is 98% faithful to his wife? (laughs) Maybe. The word is adulterer. Because if you're 98% faithful, you're 2% unfaithful. If you're unfaithful at all, you're an adulterer. And if Jesus is God, being 90%, 80%, 50% in favour of him is absolutely not an option. He demands our loyalty. So Andy said there's, there's more than 3 billion, might be close to 4 billion people in the world who call themselves Christian. 43% of Australians, we call ourselves Christian. Are they living 100% faithfully to God? No. Do you reckon even half of us are 100%? Who of us is 100% faithful to God? None of us. Which is why we need a saviour. So today in this town, a saviour who is the king, God himself, is born. That's the good news. Do you struggle with being faithful to God? Do you struggle even with just a little bit of your life? Let me tell you about just one of my struggles. We could be here all morning, so I'm just going to tell you about one of my struggles. One of my struggles was with pride. Has this ever been a struggle for you? That in my pride, I like other people to think that I'm clever. I like other people to think that I'm in control, that I can do it, that I'm all right. When in fact, a lot of the time, I'm not. And I've realised many years ago now that I can't both be proud of myself and rely on God. And that's just one of the dark spots in my uh, my mind, in my life, in being faithful to God. And I don't know what it is for you. It could be anything. Is it a habit? Might be a cultural habit. Is it a selfishness? Is it a, a behaviour? Do you hold on to grudges and not forgive? Are you jealous? Are you hungry for money? Are you struggling with lust or pride? Is there something that you need and you think if you just get that, you'll be satisfied? Are you trying to impress other people? Telling lies to cover up your weaknesses or you must. See, all of us have different ways that we do that, which is why we need a saviour who is the king, God himself. On that day, 
in the town of David, a Saviour was born and he is Christ the Lord. And the angel went on to say to the, um, to the shepherds, Glory and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus is going to bring peace. He's the peacemaker. Um, everyone knows Christmas is the season of peace and goodwill, right? You know the stories about in the First World War where the Germans and the English were fighting in the trench warfare, but Christmas Day came around and they started singing carols, both of them. And so they lay down their, their, their guns and uh, they sang carols, they exchanged presents, they even had a game of soccer, Christmas Day. Boxing Day, they started shooting one another again. Christmas Day is the day of peace, right? And the next day? No, that's not the kind of peace Jesus came to bring. And ultimately, the peace that Jesus came to bring is actually for those with whom God is pleased. It's a peace with God that Jesus brings. Yes, with God, we'll make peace with others. We'll be peacemakers. We'll, we'll long for peace in the world. But the first thing is actually, Christmas Day is about having peace with God. That whatever, whatever it is you feel guilty about, whatever it is you feel ashamed about, that you do not have to worry about that before God because Jesus has made peace between you and God. That's what Jesus has done. I skipped over one last thing that I just want to point out before I finish. One last thing is, if you see your need of a saviour, if you are ready for someone else to be your king, if you want to have peace with God, if you know in your heart that you're not perfect and, you, and that only perfect people go to heaven, you know you need a saviour. If you know in your heart that you have lived as the, the king or queen of your own life and actually you're not that good at it, and you keep mucking it up and you muck it up and it, it ruins other people's lives and your own life and you know that you need someone else to be in charge, someone who knows all things to be in charge, a king to follow. If you know in your heart that you've done and said things for which God has every right to be angry and you know you need a peacemaker, then Christmas is a day of very, very good news. It is very good news. It is good news of great joy. Jesus was born to meet all of those needs. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve to die so that we would have peace with God forever and be kept safe from sin and death and fear. It is good news of great joy do you notice these shepherds, once they heard this news, they ran off and they told everyone. They told everyone about it and they gave glory and praise to God. They couldn't help themselves. And if you have got the good news about Jesus, that'll be you too. This will be news too good to keep in, too good to hold back, too good not to share with other people. And we get a public holiday to do it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? All else that's going to happen the rest of today, 
just so we can tell one another again this great news of great joy that in the town of David a saviour was born who is Christ the Lord and he has come to bring peace with God. That is news that is too good not to share, isn't it? Why don't you pray with me now for a minute? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this good news of great joy. We thank you for everything that you have given us, but chiefly we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the Saviour, that he is the King, that indeed he is God. And we pray, Father, that we might enjoy, not just today, but we might enjoy all time having peace with you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a very happy Christmas. Good morning, friends. My name is...